Hi guys, it's Adam. Um, welcome to the Not Another Business Group, uh, Not Another Webinar, Not Another Podcast. Really excited to be here and to hopefully share with you some great content. This uh, first one includes a chat with Mark Wildman. Uh, you might know Mark from his successful Dragon's Den pitch in 2015, I think it was. Uh, really cool guy, really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better and finding out about his story. Absolutely jam-packed with pearls of wisdom, um, how you can pitch better, how you can be quite analytical and scientific about how you go about pitching. Um, talked about loads of things and had some really good sort of chat and banter through the way. So I hope you put this on while you're driving along, maybe while you're doing some jobs around the house. Uh, who knows, maybe even our dulcet tones will help you get to sleep at night. Uh, whatever it is, uh, I hope it works for you. But I had a lot of fun recording it and editing it. So I'll be following up with some more content soon. If you know anyone that would like to hear it, please share it with them. If you know anyone that would like to feature on a future episode, get in touch with me, Adam B at adambutlerltd.co.uk. And um, if you have enjoyed it, please remember to like and subscribe either the YouTube channel or the podcast through it, whichever podcast channel you prefer. Right, look, without further ado, let's jump in. Great. Okay. So uh, here we are. Nice to uh, have you on board, Mark. Thanks for joining me for what is actually our inaugural, uh, imaginatively named Not Another Business Podcast. <laughs> How you doing? Awesome. awesome to be here. Uh, yeah, what a way to start things off, eh? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's right. I'm, I'm excited and uh, looking forward to doing more interviews like this as, as time goes by. Good to see we've both got real backgrounds today, not virtual Zoom backgrounds. That's what we're telling everyone, isn't it? That is that is uh, not that isn't a real uh, that is a real telescope. Obviously, just there. We're just uh, just yeah. there. Yeah, weather man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks looks like quite an old one. Historic, uh, leaving present from uh, from Sublime Science. So uh, I guess that's the maybe that's where we'll end up at the end of uh, of, our, of our chat. Yeah, no, absolutely cool. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how many attendees we've got today, but I think we'll just jump in. Um, one thing I wanted to one thing I wanted to briefly cover at the beginning of this, and we've got about an hour or so. Um, I don't know if you realise, but we have stood on a stage together next to one another would you believe allegedly <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'll tell you when that was that was i think in 2012 or 2013 at the yes. entrepreneurs convention do you remember creasa got people hmm. up on stage and you were one of them ah yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You might have been as it was pre Dragons Den, I think that wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I was stood, I think, on your right hand side. Uh, mm. I, I'm not really sure what the reason for us being up there, or I, I was just absolutely wetting myself in front of about three thousand people, so I wasn't really concentrating on much. Yeah, maybe probably at the time. Yeah, probably at the time, three thousand. Yeah, a few thousand people would have been the most people I'd ever spoken to in one in one i mean it is it's quite a few isn't it so, oh it uh, is it is i'm sure uh, you've, uh, you've you've yeah. you've you've hit a higher number than that now i would imagine spoken to many many humans uh yeah yes. it's weird when you try and um 
you know, I'm being a kind of an actual. So the funny thing is, like, I obviously pretended to be a science guy on TV <laughs> and the internet for yeah. 10, 12 years. But I actually, actually, actually am a real scientist as well. So a uh, master's degree in physics. Thought I was actually going to be a scientist, wanted to be a scientist since I was approximately, let's say, five years old when I kind of got some very misconstrued and odd understanding of what science was from reading mm. George's Marvelous Medicine. But I uh, thought I was going to be a scientist aged about five now actually sort of am a scientist and then you end up just having that kind of mind that works out like how many people you've like communicated with like digitally or through everything you've done and it's you know it's more than like quite a few small countries at this point which um <laughs> i feel bad for all these people i can only apologize that i did not get more smart more sooner in order to uh be more helpful along the way but oh uh, well there's plenty of sorry, time world. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you're being modest and I'm sure you've been, uh, you know, given a lot of great information away during those sorts, but also there's plenty of time left, isn't there, to distribute let's a lot hope. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. value and information. Cool. So, um, look, we can't have a conversation at this point in 2020 without me asking the question, how are you finding lockdown? Mm. What have you been doing? Mm. Um, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously it's such a, such a crazy situation. It affects so many people so differently. Um, so there's like obviously sublime science the company i found and i guess i'm mainly known for is primarily an events company so they make sweets make slime launch rockets make science awesome for kids yes. mainly in the real world at kids parties school visits uh, events football stadiums wherever that may be uh so obviously <laughs> they have rescheduled like hundreds if not literally thousands of events at this point um yeah which is not ideal uh to say the least from any perspective both business or actually inspiring kids to know about science or whatever uh and then on the other side uh, i've got a bunch of clients and people i help out with business that run e-commerce companies that are having quite literally the greatest month in the history of their company so it's um and i helped out just as a consultant advisor sublime science to launch uh relaunch the virtual uh i guess informational make science awesome business it's literally called make science awesome Right. Uh, named by yours truly. Yes. Uh, and that course. could be, we'll see, because it's just launched yesterday and it's not closed yet, but it could literally be the uh, the biggest kind of info launch the company's ever done. So, right. It's, so it's super varied, right? You've got kind of best ever to like worst ever cancelled a thousand events and kind of, and that's in the same company, in the same group. Yes, of course, so of course. That's uh, interesting. Is probably the best way to look at it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, lockdown. I mean, much as we've had some of our freedoms uh, removed from us, time's been moving pretty quick for you. Yeah, I'm also. Uh, people don't often realise. Uh, so because I go on TV or and or whatever, I've gone on stage in front of a lot of people and stuff. I'm actually super introverted. So mm. I actually, this is my home office I'm in now. I actually spend a lot of my working life uh, in here anyway. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, it's probably less bad for introverts, I think is probably fair to say. I've got some super extroverted friends mm. that are just going completely bonkers, not yeah. being able to go to events every day. Mm. And obviously more for me, at least I, you know, I do write, I do. And also the, to be fair, as a scientist, embarrassingly, but I've, really had my eyes open to how effective um how effectively you can communicate and lead groups and mentor and coach and advise like through screens so yeah 
I, I, I definitely, it sounds almost ridiculous, 2020, but I had hugely underestimated how effective and good the technology is. Yeah. And I feel a little bit uh, silly for not, not almost, you know, not being a bit more up to speed maybe a couple of years ago. I don't know. I think we're all the same. I mean, um, there will be, I know people, I'd Zoomed with people and uh, FaceTimed with people before all this, but it always mm. felt a bit uncomfortable. But isn't mm. that the thing about uncomfortable? As soon as you've done it a couple of times, it becomes normal. Yeah. And so this period, I think, will have, ex- well, the, the share price of Zoom alone tells you how, uh, <laughs> how, you know, how this has become normal for us all. Yeah. So I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, I've got a load of questions here, but one thing you said there was you are naturally predisposed to being more introvert. Mm. So just picking up on that before we go into your story, Mm. how do you feel when you come off stage or when you're forced into a room of a thousand people who maybe all want to speak to you? Does that leave you exhausted? Does it leave you exhilarated? How, How do you cope with the introvert versus the requirements on you yeah both which is kind of funny so uh yeah primary school i i literally cried at primary school uh because my teacher asked me to like whatever read a book or had to stand up at the front and i think i don't really remember i think there was about 20 children in my class at primary you know there wasn't that many it was a pretty small little class in a village in uh in leicestershire and mm-hmm. uh the thought of doing that was so fear inducing i was literally weeping as a child uh yeah uh, and now it's, yeah, obviously TV, if anyone wants to be amused by how nervous I can be as a human, my Dragon's Den pictures is good for that. It's uh, probably the most nervous I've ever been. Um, yeah. First time on TV and first time ever pitching my business yeah. at the same time, which is fairly stupid to combine the two. It's like stupidity squared. Uh, good, good thinking. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, it's just that I, the definition, and I'm not like a super, I guess from your background, you might be more than me. I'm not a super kind of like personality expert or whatever but i believe one of the easiest ways to kind of tell is like where you kind of recover so like if you're extroverted you'll recover by spending time around people whereas Mm. if you're introverted so if i'm on stage or like interact with thousands of business owners i'll then the next few days i'll just probably be writing you know be writing i'll be reading i'll just chill at home we live in the countryside literally in the middle of nowhere in the national forest like you know i'll just go and do that for a bit Uh, and it's trying to find that kind of I guess like everyone's doing with their business and life, right? Trying to find that balance where you can be super on. Yeah. Like, love communicating with people, helping them, serving them, making their thing cool, really enjoy it. But on mm. some other level, you've obviously got to look after yourself. Otherwise it's a bit self-help. You can't really help other people from a position of exhaustion. Like it's not, so you've got to try and find that balance of, you know, inspiring these million kids, but also looking after yourself. Cause if you're not mentally and physically in the shape to do it, you you know, you're not going to be able to get too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good friend of mine who you might also know, Martin Norbury. Do you know Martin? Mm. Yeah. Martin talks about balance a lot. And uh, I know he works with a lot of different um, organisations of all different sizes. Mm. Um, But balance uh, is always a challenge for all of us because we're trying to push and do things, but we need to have a chance to reset at the same time. Um, good. I could talk about that topic for the rest of the day and we might come back to it. I doubt we'll run out of things to talk about, <laughs> but, um, tell us then a little bit about your, well, tell us as much as you like, actually about your story, uh, Mark, in terms of, you know, how you got started and then obviously into the dragon's den bit. Cause that's, you know, it's all really interesting, but that's the sort of 
glitz and glamour around the whole thing, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, tell, you know, give us a bit of your story, if you would. Well, it's funny you mentioned the time right now. So I actually started the business in 2008. Um, so I kind of picked, I guess, the last worst time to start a business uh, <laughs> last time. So uh, kind of Lehman Brothers had just gone, gone bankrupt, done that whole thing. Uh, I was actually living, I'd moved out to Australia after doing my master's uh, in physics. I'd moved to Australia, done a bit of science communication stuff already. Uh, with science communication, should probably mention, it's an industry that, because I'm in, I feel that everyone knows about, but no one really knows what that is. But that just means you um, explain how science works to non-scientists, to normal people, essentially. Yes. Uh, which is, so I've been doing that for a while, driving around Australia in a pickup truck, uh, teaching science to kids in places where they don't have um, science laboratories or much science equipment. Uh, done some video stuff, done some, you know, developed some programs, helped the business quite a lot. Done that for about a year, came back and was like, I'm going to, you know, set up, you know, set up this business in the UK doing fun science stuff. Had it all kind of all planned out. And then, um, kind of funny now, but, you know, Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt, 2008, the whole world's fallen into bits. And I genuinely decided to go and actually have a meeting with a, with all the banks, right? Just go to the banks, be like, hey, you know, can I, can I borrow a few quid to set this business up? Um, and I'd never run a business before, had no kind of experience of any kind. The only jobs I'd had were teaching people stuff. So I taught English as a foreign language. I taught robotics. I'd, you know, just taught people stuff. And they were just like, obviously not, right? <laughs> obviously nobody wanted to lend me any money. Uh, they all thought my plan was fairly silly. Uh, and that was the end of that. So I got in touch with the Princess Trust. They ended up lending me a whopping uh, £1,750. Uh, that was the start of the company. I moved back in with my parents because, you know, that was a, a pretty tight budget to... Yes. How, how old were you then, Mark? 22. Yeah, 22. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And I literally had one bag of clothes. You know, so I had to sort of get, you know, car, laptop, phone, you know, like yeah. clothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is sort of a, a base level start. Um, so got back, started working on all that stuff. And then bit by bit, yeah, the kids loved the thing loved the experiments making the slime launching their rockets exploding stuff i mean it sounds silly but i essentially created and ha still create i create the awesome kind of experiments that i wish had been there when i was that kid yes so it's not like selling to who i am now it's just selling to the eight-year-old version of myself yes. uh, and i think because of that i've been pretty successful at hitting the mark because like i know what i would have liked and then i just make that and see if they like it, and they generally do. Uh, yes. So it's kind of like a not very sophisticated marketing plan. Worked pretty good, but a pretty a pretty cute one because you're tapping yeah. into the brain of a interested five to ten year old, and, and, yeah. and showing them what you wanted to see. That's as that's as good a place and to I start. Think marketing, isn't it? you know, if you strip away all the hype, which is kind of what I try and do to a little bit of an extent these days, to strip away all the hype from marketing, it's really about understanding the person you're like selling to. Obviously, with a kind of a science show you're selling to the parent that's buying it and the kid that wants it so you've kind of got two customers but if you're going to sell that thing to the kid you've got if you were that kid then you have an incredibly strong understanding of what they wanted yeah. uh, which makes your marketing a whole lot easier i think i mean probably all the people that i've helped but a lot of the successful that people have had has come from them helping uh helping customers where they really understand their customer often because they've actually been their own customer yes uh, because then it's just easy. Um, but yeah, that went pretty good. Um, reached a few more people over, I'll skip along, over like five years approximately. Went from me and my box of stuff uh, to a national team of about 50 presenters scattered around the country by then, a little office, mm -hmm. some cool products and services, bunch of fancy pants customers, and we were, we were doing quite good. Mm. Um, decided to go on to Dragon's Den. Um, 
you know why why not um <laughs> i don't know why well i do know why actually but mm. um uh i don't know is that i could say why is that good to say why who knows yeah yeah I, like oddly the reason why what i'd been thinking about it because people have been saying to me like for years you know you should go on dragon's den you you know this thing's a dragon's den thing you know god like I, since doing it going really well probably like a hundred people have been like yeah see told you <laughs> <laughs> um but i went on because we i won no i think well it's a company i think that year the company won sublime science won a great british entrepreneur award for the best service business so i was down in london and i can't remember why but some kind of event schedule i think it was right in the middle of march or something we had loads of events going on so i'd literally done a stage show we had been stretched to complete capacity i'd left the stage show of, and driven directly from wherever somewhere in england on my own straight to london gone straight to this fancy pants event just parked on the street outside straight <laughs> in and i'm like and i was actually early like by some miracle get through london in a few hours yeah. park outside this thing super fancy event and i'm like on my own you know like tired for my day just walk in and there's this dude there and his name's Shane and he's the guy that pitched Hungry House on Dragon's Den oh, and I okay. actually recognised him from watching that episode. So just asked him about it, got chatting to him in the bar uh, and he said something very similar to what's the worst that can happen. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I look a bit silly, like people probably just think I'm not very cool or whatever, <laughs> which I'm obviously not. That'd be fine. And then ultimately, I was like, yeah, probably a bunch of people would end up like buying the product anyway, just because they'd yeah. be more aware of it. And then they would just, you know, a few million people would see a product. It's a pretty cool product. Surely some of them would buy it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, I guess people would just think I'm not very, I'm not a business guy or whatever. And I was like, I guess that's fine then. So yeah, hilariously, based on that conversation, because he did not get investment, right? That aged so badly. They told him on Dragon's Den that nobody will buy takeout uh, using a smartphone. Oh um, gosh, <laughs> brilliant! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aged well, uh, and then he sold that ultimately to Just Eat, and yeah, uh, they had literally a good few million customers, I think, at the point of sale. Right. Yeah. Um, perfect. Yeah. So that was dra- the Golden Dragons. Then the whole thing went even more super, super bonkers, and then uh, ultimately, yeah, we won a Queen's Award for Enterprise, inspired a million kids to discover how awesome science can be, and uh, sold that business to a small company called Hyphen Capital back in uh well right at the end of 2018 yeah okay so it's uh 18 months ago something like that really something like that yeah i, I left I, I like finished my kind of handover um right at the start of 2019 yeah yeah wow yeah. and the yeah. um the dragon's den experience itself then because on the um i've done like the tiniest weeniest bit of tv ever okay. yeah I, uh, I i actually got did recorded a whole pilot for something once but then it never aired it must have been down to my uh, <laughs> must have been down to my presence on the screen perhaps but uh, what i did learn from it was that it takes a long time to produce yep. a really short amount of footage mm. uh, or it can do certainly so so in terms of that then you, you know you turned up with this idea well I'll, I'll present what i do i might pick up some good customers because what i do obviously is good and people buy it hey if i get some investment let's see where that goes but that may be not your primary but to turn up there mm. yeah how did that day go was it quite stressful was it long was it as quick as it looked on the telly how was that no no it's a super old stressful thing um like i say the, the idea of like doing your first television appearance and then discussing like your finances your business plan and doing your first ever pitch 
simultaneously is like inherently not a brilliant idea, I would say. So I'm always, um, there's a lot of downside potential uh, to that. But being a scientist, I just applied my general thinking of science to that preparation. So I downloaded one of those little um, speedy up video things you get in your browser, right? That lets you watch videos on like four or five X speed. So the full chipmunk speed. Yeah. And I watch like, I don't know, hundreds, like literally hundreds of pictures on hyperspeed. And just tabulated, I am actually this much of a nerd, but just documented all of the most common questions asked across probably the past five seasons of the show. Wow. Uh, put them into a spreadsheet of order of most asked and, and significance to how they affected the outcome. And then prepared pretty solid answers to all of those questions. Uh, yeah. And I was reasonably fortunate, fortunate and or some judgment, but uh, most of the questions I was asked, it was me firing smoke rings, convincing them to make slime and just going a bit nuts. Yeah. And then in terms of all the questions, I think, pretty much all of them had been asked before. Um, and the only ones that hadn't were really specific to either me or the business. So it was just people were asking, you know, how does this work? Who yeah. are you? What do you do? And like, you, you know, however nervous you are, you can always kind of tell someone, you know, what's your name and, you know, yeah. what do you do? You know, like it's, um, so I think it's um, the most boring kind of business advice ever, I guess, but it's, it's a bit of a preparation thing, you know? Yeah, best business advice ever. Prepare. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't have thought necessarily of all that prep, but it makes sense. It's like preparing for an exam, isn't it? You always know the certain questions get repeated on a three-year cycle, yep. or you can spot a pattern in the the way the questions are asked. I say it's this like, like it, it like it sounds like I've passed a load of exams. I really haven't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Okay. So that you know, that's uh, that's. I think that's a really cool approach to it. Yeah. So my whole, I guess, thing is. It's like I'm way more of a scientist than a business guy. Mm. Uh, and I thought this was a problem for a few years, really. So I was like, I've done this master's degree in physics, like a hardcore science nerd. And then I was like, I'm going to start this company. And I realized I kind of didn't, you know, like you don't actually know what to do, right? If you've got a, I mean, most people obviously won't bother to go and do a master's degree in physics, but you can imagine they don't really mention, there's not a module on how to start a company, no. how to do a VAT return, how to hire someone, how to do an office lease. Obviously, they don't mention any of that stuff because it's not relevant to the actual, you know, clearly my fault, not to do with the thing I signed up to do. Um, so I thought this was like, I was actually for a few years not like, I was almost like, have I kind of wasted a bit of time doing this degree for four years? Really enjoyed it, learned a ton, great experience, all that stuff. But I was like, I've just learned all this stuff that I'm now not doing. Mm. And then at some point, I realized I was never going to do mm -hmm. uh so i was like thought that might be a massive problem but it's actually kind of been the thing that's worked best for me because rather than kind of falling down the general kind of like internet marketer hype train the business coach magic secret bloody bloody blah, blah, blah uh generally delve massively into it applying like a first principles analysis to find what actually works yes and then just doing that um and people kind of say like how do you like, how do you have that confidence to do this is a question I get asked quite a bit. But it's not really like even a confidence in me. It's just a confidence in the scientific method. So like, yeah. I have yeah. extreme confidence in like, you know, the approach used by, say, like Newton, Einstein. Yeah. Like if you can put a man on the moon with this with a method, I'm pretty sure it's sufficient for me just to make a small national company. You know, like yeah. it's, it's so insane to put a man on the moon with like the power of whatever it is, a billionth of an iPhone or something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's just like in terms of difficulty, that's why I don't, that's why one of the things, hopefully 
I don't come across as too like fancy about the stuff I've been able to pull off in business. Because compared to like, you know, there's people out there trying to build like fusion reactors, <laughs> trying to make electric supersonic jets. Compared to that, running and growing a business is very easy. Mm-hmm. Compared to like, simply because like, you know, creating the theory of relativity, like I can't even imagine, you know, like if you left me to figure that out, you'd be, uh, that, you'd be waiting is, a good while, right? <laughs> yeah, and that is bonkers. And you know, that, that uh, I'd love to pick your brains on that sometime. Because again, I'm, 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 I'm interested in lots of different things, not least the theory of relativity. And I <laughs> must have read and um, tried to understand it on a number of different occasions. It's quite complex stuff. So like you say, mm-hmm. compared to building a business that can be successful, profitable lifestyle, and then ultimately mm-hmm. exitable, that can uh, allow you to go on and do other things, I'm sure in comparison to that requires a lot less brain power. But the, the key takeaway for me from what you said is you're breaking it down into a set of logical sequences and testing mm-hmm. as you go and mm-hmm. you know learning from the mistakes that have been made and applying a similar philosophy to new ideas, um, structure, form, um, mm. at, you know, and, and, and using those principles that you learn through your time in study. But the, the key difference is that you've recognized the principles can be applied. Mm. So many others would have just learned it and gone, okay, well, I, I studied the science. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to go off and be a something else. Now. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. transferring that across, isn't it? So, uh, no, that's cool. So who were the, um, remind me the dragons that invested in you, if that's okay to ask. Yeah, about. sure. Nick Jenkins, which is the chap that did Moonpick, uh, yeah. I guess famously known for that, and Sarah Willingham, uh, generally probably known for London Cocktail Club, possibly Craft Gin Club. Uh, lots of businesses ending in the word club, actually. But um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, they both invested uh, in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And they were, uh, from to my mind, I, I, I haven't watched Dragon's Den for a bit, but I was watching at the time when mm. you were on, actually. I watched it that night, definitely. <laughs> and, cause, and I was telling everyone that would listen, I've stood next to this guy on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watch but, this. Obviously, yeah. it's going to go to it. And I do remember thinking, actually, you know, Mark's nailed this because not only has he done a great pitch and got investment, he, he's got, to my mind, the two best investors they're the ones mm. I would want to work with because they seem down to earth, very approachable, friendly, but clearly super business bright, understand yep. all that. So, so I thought you did well. I thought you did incredibly well, of course, but uh, did they have an active involvement then in the business or did they, were they silent partners with you? No, they did. That's the cool thing. So um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to get Nick and Sarah to invest in that. Obviously everyone's, every dragon's different and, uh, and there's different ways of doing things, but Nick, uh, Nick and Sarah uh, both were like personally involved. Whereas often, depending on who invests and which season and whatever, but a lot of the dragons that have been on there for a long time, if they're doing say ten investments a year, and they've done that for ten years, obviously they sell some, some fail. But you can't, as an as an as an act, you can't be an active investor in a hundred companies. You know, it's just not actually possible. Um, so that's why one of the reasons I wanted to get Nick and Sarah involved was because I didn't want I wanted input from the you know members of the team as well, but I actually wanted input from them specifically, um, which is actually something you don't always get with every dragon because um, you know it's not even a criticism; it's just a fact of life. Like they, yeah. you know, if they if they build essentially an investment portfolio company and put all their investments in it, that's fine. But to my mind personally, 
I didn't really want. Then it's like I'm going to then get my advice from the MBA guy they've got to run the investment department. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and I'm quite pretty biased actually towards if you want to, if you want somebody to help you with something, it's best if they've literally personally done the thing themselves. Yes. And I think the second thing to try and look for is they have an ability to commute. They know why what they did worked and they've been able to successfully share that with other people. Yes. Um, and I think those two both kind of fit those criteria that I was looking for the best. Um, but you never know how to play out. I mean, it went really, really well. They exited with me. So we yeah. were yeah. invested together, you know, still speak to Nick and Sarah now. You know, it's, it's really, really cool. So no, no complaints at all. But you just can never know, right? Would it? No, I mean, it's, you're taking a leap better? of faith to a certain extent. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of due diligence that goes on behind the shaking of hands yeah. in, the, uh, in the dragon's den. But so you still got time to suss out if it is right or not. But at the end of the day, when you put the ink on the paper, you're taking a leap of faith that that person, it's just like getting married, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, you do all your research and you're absolutely certain when you walk up the aisle that you've done the right thing. But, you know, you, you never quite know until you start living together. And I mean, I know the world's different these days, but you get my point in the analogy, I'm yeah. sure. Um, yes. And, and in, you know, in, in, in that regard, it, it, it has worked out well. Was, was there a specific plan then to work towards an exit from the beginning was there a start with the end in mind approach or did, did the exit kind of just happen how did that sort of work uh, by exit no. of course i mean i mean you know business sale yeah mm. yeah no there, there wasn't um i think that uh, that kind of uh, covey quote of uh, start with the end in mind is broadly uh, like broadly good very good advice in mm. life and in everything uh but like i say because I, so I started the business with my <laughs> With my 1750 pound Prince Trust loan and my box of stuff, uh, I never would have imagined, you know, like, and most, the most common reaction I genuinely got was you'll be bankrupt by Christmas. And I started trading on October 1st. So like the degree of confidence in this going well was, was not high, like met with whatever, eight different banks. I think all of them, like all of the, you know, the high street banks that had branches that would have a meeting and all of them <laughs> were just like, you know, it was almost just they were like, you can't be serious. Like, this isn't a real thing. You obviously have no idea what you're doing. This is, like, no one's going to lend someone with no track record any money. Mm -hmm. um, you should probably not do this. So given that that was the baseline expectation, like even once we'd inspired, say, like a quarter of a million kids or whatever it was, something around there, I think, and then going on Dragon's Den, thought to scale that out, massively expand it. And then I got this thing about the million kids. And when we'd inspired a million kids, I was just like, well, because the expectation, I think sometimes it's actually quite good to start with a realistic and realism is sometimes quite pessimistic, mm. you know, just a real brutal analysis of where you actually are, what your skill set was. So I was starting a business in the worst time and I didn't have a, much of a skill set. So the success probability wasn't very good. Um, so uh, I just figured that if I can even at that point, even if I can make this work at all, Mm -hmm. that's a great start and then i think you re-anchor that as you go so I, th I think the start with the end in mind is a good thing it's just if you're not careful I, I fall into this trap a little bit myself you can almost think try and think 23 steps ahead and then sometimes people don't actually do anything no they're trying to see like step you know you're trying to almost see step 53 and it's like sometimes you just got to put your feet in front of you and walk yeah. forward 
and, and uh, I guess uh, visualizing yourself on the moon is a is a reasonably good thing to do if you want to get there but it's nowhere near as important as um working out where you can take off from and yeah. what, what equipment you might need to build in order to get a landing a, a takeoff platform set up <laughs> and what science you need to get the right fuel mix and what tests you yeah. need to do and there'd be a million steps between uh and may, maybe more than that with all yeah. the people involved in fact i'm sure 10 times mm. more than that with all the people involved having the vision that that's the jfk mm. bit isn't it having the vision yeah. is important and someone to inspire and um mm. uh, create the big thinking but actually, the ne- the most important step is usually the next one, isn't it? Or completing yeah. the one that you're on at the moment. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. It's um, yeah. There's an unfortunate uh, trend around kind of I guess this is my like very very chilled <laughs> fight against it. But uh, there's a very unfortunate kind of trend in the small businessy startup scene where it's because um, I do think mindset and visualization are like extraordinarily important, uh, mm. and I've studied them a lot specifically stoicism and specifically like dealing with pessimism and being i think you want to make like a brutally honest objective assessment of reality mm-hmm. and be completely okay with the with any reasonably likely negative consequences mm-hmm. and then move forward i think mm-hmm. the hype train of like it's almost like a hype train of like if you just visualize it going well then it will go well that's that's not actually true like that you know that's you know, you, you don't put a man on the moon by just visualizing the rocket taking off. They did, like you say, thousands and millions of tests and studied the physics involved and got real high level expertise and developed an incredible team and probably yeah. worked extraordinarily hard to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so I think it's the two together, right? You, at some point you have that big goal. For me, the, the kind of big goal, I guess, was the kind of million kid thing. When that came in, I thought, you know, inspiring a million kids would kind of really be something, you know, that's a, a big number. And I, I do think, you know, I wrote that down and kind of told the team and put that publicly. It kind of freaked me out, which I think is kind of can be a good sign. You know, mm-hmm. you're kind of shooting up up enough that it's it can be quite fearful or quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but then actually, once everyone's on board with that, and you've got all that stuff. Then it's it's really about trying to figure out how to make that actually happen. Yeah. And that's it's the um, at the end of the day, it's I, my view. Uh, just on kind of the evidence of it, is that's generally a series of a lot of experiments. So you're here, you want to get here. I'm just like, we'll implement 100 things, and then you'll get that classic 80-20 thing. So 20 of them will be reasonably successful. You know, the bottom 20% are going to completely flop. The middle kind of 60, next 60% are going to not flop, but they're they're, they're not sufficiently useful that you can really say you've done much. (laughs) And then yeah. those twenty percent are going to actually be pretty pretty substantial, uh, but you can't get to the twenty. There's just there is no real way around it other than to implement the hundred. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the ugly truths of trying to do anything. You have to be okay with um, with with being at least not successful most of the time. Yes. Yes. That's um, uh, that's another probably Einstein or. Um... Uh, who's the General Electric guy? You know, I I, uh, I learned how to not invent the light bulb ten thousand times before <laughs> yeah, I invented yeah, yeah. the light bulb. Uh, and if I'd given up on time five thousand, I'd never have got one. I think that's Edison, no? Edison, that's right. Yeah, there I, we are. 
<laughs> so uh, I, I knew you would know. I knew you would know. It'd be awkward, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> so, um, so as you, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to ask a little bit then beyond Dragon's Den in terms of because you've told us what that was like, the investors. Obviously, there was a plan for growth beyond that. So the uh, uh, around the time of the business sale for you and your other shareholders, when that came around, was that a stressful time? Was it an exciting time? Um, and the last bit of that is, how did it feel the day when the deal was done? Selling your, yeah, selling a business is, uh, I think it's under-talked about in the, in, in to, to kind of your audience is obviously small business owners primarily, right? And it's, yeah. It's really undermentioned. Like I, I, you know, I'd had a few offers over the years. The company had a reasonable, reasonable media profile. Like, like you know, say ten million people have been on the website. Probably more. Say twenty million people have been on the website. Wow. Well, some of them are going to be interested in buying businesses, yeah. and some of them will just try and buy it. You know, it's like laws of massive numbers. You know, like every now and again, someone will try. Um, but then, when you actually run a real deal process and try and structure a deal and figure it all out, there is a lot to that that I think almost nobody in this space particularly talks about. Um, it's obviously not suitable for most people because if you're starting, you know, if you're starting out, or if you're scaling up, whatever. Um, but I think the book uh, that's most helpful is, um, I can't remember the author's name, but obviously easy, on, easy to get on Amazon is, is Built to Sell. And that guy makes a pretty strong case that you should just uh, build, you know, the, the classic, but you should build a business that is sellable even if you want to keep it. Because yeah. the other kind of cheesy adage, but you know, the, the founder, you know, either the, in the future, in a long enough time horizon, you will either die or the business will fail. But yes. one way or another, you will not, you know, so it's, you're, you're, it's a question of timing, isn't it? You, you cannot choose. It's impossible for me to have done that forever. Yeah. You know, it's either the company will fail or I will die. If you make no decision, they're your, your final outcomes. Yeah, they're the only um, two possible outcomes. Yeah. The only two possible outcomes if you do nothing. So then yeah. you have to try and make a decision that's hopefully a lot better than both of those outcomes. Yes. Um, but it is really tricky. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's a, I thought it was a very involved process. I learned mm. a huge amount through it. Mm. Um, and I've actually helped a little bit just as a kind of advisor and consultant, but to with the company that bought Sublime Science to buy another company. So I've helped out a little bit on the kind of the buy side and the sell side and worked on a few different deals and stuff. And it's, um, it's really fascinating. It's a really interesting area. I really enjoy it. I like it. Yes. But it's, um, it, it's not, um, yeah, it's not all that easy. Not without, its, not without its challenges. Um, and so was there anything particular you think, that they were looking for was it because you were a high profile business was it because of the systems you had in place was it the mm. it's probably all of these things was it the culture that you developed was it the market that you had was there like one or two key things that you think made you irresistible to them and i mean you the company and probably you as well to a certain <laughs> extent although they recognized they had to remove you at some point i was gonna say i only uh i my I, so i sold the business and was only as a uh like a full-time uh consultant i guess technically but for three months so mm -hmm. i was not really part of the business um that was sold um so that Maybe that, maybe, yeah, maybe I was doing it all wrong. Who knows? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think you, if, if you'd made yourself um, dispensable, but mm. run a business that could survive very well without you, 
then you ticked all the boxes for the investors, for the purchasers, I'm sure. Um, yeah. You know, the figurehead piece, you know, I, I don't know, do they still trade off the Our Story Mark Wildman? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. Uh, a friend. A few friends have said that, but friends that have sold companies that I've met yeah. on the way. Um, someone's a good friend of mine said that uh, you're always the founder, which yeah. is very true. Um, so that's you know that is uh, always true. But uh, it's been really cool. You're exactly right on the on on the systems and process side, though. It's one of the uh, real. Uh, I think we're like like Darwinistically wired. If you're an entrepreneur, you're probably not going to be a big systems and process person. You know, like it's, yes. you know, like it's, it's a very rare balance where you get someone that's incredibly entrepreneurial, creative, and actually like systems and process. Yes. I've yeah. managed to discipline and train my mind to like them a lot more than I did. And, but purely mainly just to recognize the value that systems and processes bring um, and try and focus on like, you know, like that's a, it's not what it, it's not what it does, it's what it does for you. It's yes. kind of how you sell anything. So like systems and processes, like I innately obviously don't care about systems and processes. <laughs> They're not very fun. They're kind of pretty boring. But then what do they do for you? They allow you to, to scale something, yeah. you know, far massively beyond yourself. And if you scale something hugely beyond yourself, like into the, you know, say tens or hundreds of people and you yeah. don't have systems and process, uh, it normally goes horribly, horribly wrong, quite honestly. Yes. Um, so yeah, I actually spent a couple of years getting pretty obsessed with systems and processes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I'm sure. Did, did, did the um, and, and and again, that's a lesson in itself. Did the did the business as it ran at the time, Sublime Science? Did it have was it was it franchisees? Was it employees? Was it a combination? Um, was it self-employed? Was it you know how how was that structure broadly put together? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. So it's not it's not a franchise business. Um, so there's no franchisees involved. It's an organic kind of. I used to call it like a, just a real company. It's just yeah. a yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess my, yeah. My definition as an actual first principles thing, like the definition of a company, is just really like a collection. You've got a few things, right? You've got a collection of people. You've got a collection of products and services. And then you've got a collection of systems that both attract and convert customers mm -hmm. and operationally deliver the thing the customers bought. And I think if you break the business down into those systems and build yourself a little composite model, uh, that's what you've got. But uh, Sublime Science and uh, the other companies in the group do uh, a bunch of freelancing and they have a bunch of employees. So it's, yes. um, it's a hybrid model, really. Yes. And um, another book I'm sure you're very familiar with and have read is The E-Myth. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know, Gerber talks hugely, hugely about, you know, the McDonald's model, the turn, yeah. the ultimate turnkey model. And, mm. um, you know, I, I've never worked in a McDonald's, but I do recall someone once telling me the the mop bucket has got to be at a certain temperature before you can mop the floor. Mm. And that's like, yeah, you know, that I mean, that makes yeah. sense if you want to run a five star health and safety environment. But yeah, it also makes sense if you've got a process for everything down to the detail of what temperature the mop bucket's got to be. Yeah, well, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an incredible book. Uh, the Emeth have really, I think they've really nailed that. You know, it's it's just a, such a great like how to systemize a business book. Yeah, uh, pretty short, pretty sweet, fish bash bosh. Yeah, uh, very very like, readable, very listenable. I always think. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my most like gifted or recommended books. Yeah. Like, and it's not, yeah, slight caveat, you know, it's systems and process, isn't it? So it's not like <laughs> you, you've got to really focus on, 
you've got what I try and get people is to focus on like again like what what systems and process what does it do for you yeah you know so if you equate that to these systems and process they mean freedom that means I can work from home that means I can travel that means I can 10x my company then that might be quite interesting if you focus purely on it's a bunch of stuff you know it's a bunch of spreadsheets google docs dropbox Zapier, front end back end some developers well no one really you, you know, with the best will in the world, you're going to get pretty, you're going to struggle to get too excited about that, aren't you? But if well, you, if you <laughs> described like that, which we both know is the premise of the book, no, it, you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd, you'd struggle to maybe get someone <laughs> that hadn't read it excited. But I think if you tell someone who wants to start a business, read the mm. e-myth and don't even tell them any of that stuff. It's, it's how you would structure and organize a, mm. a successful business. I, I know from personal experience, as I'm sure you do, it's the most interesting stuff you can be reading at that time because you want yeah. your business to be successful and be able to operate without you at the end I of the think day. Maybe I'm just a bit stubborn, which is probably true, but I think I would have, I got really interested in, in that kind of stuff after expanding a business without doing that. Yes. So I think, I think thing one is to just randomly grow your business in an unsystemized fashion. Yeah. Um, realize for yourself, for no reason, I mean, also maybe don't do this, right? Maybe actually get someone to help you that will say, you know, you want to, 10x a company you're going to need superior systems and processes otherwise yes. this will go horribly wrong yeah. it's definitely 100 nearly always true of course it is but i'm yeah maybe i'm in that camp of like i sometimes need to experience things for myself so just be like yeah i'll figure it out just do this and then you realize oh man this is you know i'm literally like working like 100 hours a week now this is <laughs> this yeah. is way less enjoy you know this is kind of annoying you know like yes. you do it for a couple of months and you're like man i'm tired all the time like, yeah yeah this yeah. is terrible uh, yeah. that's it so there must be another way of doing it and that's where so the, at that point this the book is a lot more appealing right perfect but it's a holiday read at that point isn't it <laughs> you know what i mean um so you, you know um what i'm also interested in is so that you know the day the exit came um mm. the day the exit happened, there's got to be a day where you went from being the business owner to not being the business owner anymore mm. and a you know, a financial transaction happening, presumably as well. Yeah. Uh, how did that feel? You know, was it, uh, uh, you know, uh, were you ecstatic initially? We, how did that feel? And, and what, what did the next couple of months look like? Hmm. Uh, it's a really uh, weird answer, but mainly just relieved, yeah. uh, quite honestly. So you're working on this thing for quite a long time. A lot of people, I, I like, I didn't know at all, but you realize how many people are involved in selling a business like you know so you've got obviously on the sales side i've got a couple of investors investment director uh, you've also got accountants and lawyers uh, they've got a buyer obviously they've got um some due diligence people some lawyers some accountants there's some debt people they've got some due diligence people some accountants some lawyers there's a finance team you know it is you know probably a good 20 people working on a transaction for mm. probably more all, all in all i don't know there's a bunch of people working on something for months um like and that's absolute minimum you know many mm. months minimum uh, and then at some point yeah you get to that point where you just um it's very much not i guess the people think like kind of like gordon gecko you know sell a business and you'll be in this super <laughs> nice build i was literally here i was in my home office yeah uh i just we'd all signed all the stuff and you know everyone's signed literally i don't know how many you know, 200 pieces of paper each and they've all been sent around and all these people are doing stuff and then at some point you're like you know, they, they read it to you actually these days. So they actually read a thing and it's that ye olde English stuff, right? Where they're just like, you know, henceforth, notwithstanding. Yes. So there's all this stuff and you're like, what's that mean? And they're like, I reckon that's, that's done then. That's done. <laughs> and then yeah. someone's like, yeah, the transaction's been completed. I'm like, 
I know what that one means. That that makes sense. So uh, yeah, and it was fun. relief at that point. Just relief. And I know yeah. I chatted to Nick about this. Who really helped Nick Jenkins because he sold Moonpig for, and that's in the public domain. It's like more than a hundred million pounds. And uh, he said he celebrated by having a sandwich and a cup of tea, and then just going to bed because <laughs> he was really tired. And he'd been working on it for months, and he was just happy that that was done. Yeah. And you know, people are like, you know, do you go out and you know party or whatever? And I'm just like. No. <laughs> no, I just went. To, I, I had a good sleep, but I slept well that night. Exactly. Just I'm take sure. it easy, and then the work yeah. begins on obviously to to best hand over the company to the yes. team in a way yes. that can really uh, to allow the company to expand and grow. And I took that as I think most people should. I took that pretty seriously. Like I want to put in a decent bit of effort to put the company in the best position possible to expand bigger and better and you know and all that good stuff um, yeah 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 perfect i mean especially as for you specifically it was your you know it's your passion it was your you know yeah. it's your baby as it were so you of course want to hand it off to someone that's gonna it, you know it's going to be in its best tip-top condition to go on and grow further because you'll always be the founder like, like founder, your friend yeah. said, yeah, that's right. So, so uh, no, that's cool. And um, like you, I think you're right. That's not necessarily the answer I would have expected, but it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, so, what what next for Mad Mark? What what comes? <laughs> what what are you working on now? I mean, I know you've got the book, uh, which is interesting. So, what what does the next? Uh, I don't know. Six months, six years. What's the future look like? I don't know. It'd be, it'd be fun to uh, it'd be fun to find out. So I've been yeah helping Sublime Science out a bit uh, just because that's been cool. I've been helping. I've just been saying yes to cool stuff that some people have asked me to do sometimes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure if that's the uh, the best answer or not. Um, I gave hilariously this whole talk to my darling girlfriend about you know it sold the company. This was like right in. So I've done the handover stuff. I think it was literally like day two of my retirement. I'd given her this pep talk about, you know, I'm just gonna take it easy, you know, relax, chill, read books, like be in my office, just just chill for a bit. Um, and you know, don't worry. I am like, do not worry. I'm not just gonna commit something. No worries. <laughs> literally, 15 minutes later, I knocked. Her studio's just over there. I knocked yeah. on Alexia's door, and I'm like, so I'm doing a talk on the Royal Yacht Britannia, and. Um, <laughs> And she's like, when is it? I'm like, it's next week. We've got like, like the flights and hotel, you know, we've got flights and hotel that, you know, they're, they're buying them all. They'll do that for us. And we're off. And she's like, 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's like a day would have been nice. Yeah. She's like, what yeah. did you do in between? I was like, well, I got a cup of tea, went back, looked at my email, clicked through. And I just thought, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, so I've been helping a bunch of business owners in no niche at all. So business owners doing all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, I put the other day, I updated my stuff finally to I, uh, helping awesome humans to do cool stuff. Yes. Um, but often what people need a bit of help with, it seems, is it often is how to sell the thing that they sell. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe, just from the evidence, really, that there's only two actual functions that are necessary in business. So you've got kind of the 80-20 of the 80-20 of the 80-20. You know, you've got that finite, you've got that bottom sliver. And you need to, uh, you need to set, you need to, sell be able to sell and market awesome stuff mm -hmm. and then you need to be able to develop additional awesome stuff to sell and market mm. and if you do those two things 
you're absolutely fine. You can just, you can, I mean, the hype train is somewhat true. You can hire other people to do all the other things. Uh, you can hire people to sell and market stuff and you can hire people to develop products and services for you, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think those are the last two and probably the most difficult two because they, like how I sold Sublime Science, like could anyone else have walked out of a, a lift firing smoke rings, wearing a slime covered <laughs> lab coat, invited them to take slime and done an off the cuff business pitch? You can't really go hire someone and say, you know, off you go. Because it's, mm. there's no roadmap for that. There's no, I mean, who do you hire? <laughs> who do you mm. go to? I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's not like hiring a bookkeeper or it's not like hiring uh, whatever, a, a web developer or whatever, you know, a WordPress guy or whatever. Of course. And then, so that's the marketing side. And then from the developing stuff side, I think that nearly always, I think most great companies, when you look at them, they actually develop their own products and services. So you can, yeah, you can buy a bunch of um, stuff off Alibaba and hock it on eBay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But long-term, what have you really got there? You know, like you, you've just got a commoditized product that you hock on a platform. Mm -hmm. I think that's not really... That's not really, certainly that's of no interest to me. Like, if you do what you've got to do, you know what I mean? If, if you need to do that to get through, you know, to hit month end, to pursue your dream, whatever, just mm. fill your boots. Like, you know, this is not some kind of servant man. Do whatever you've got to do. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to sometimes make those bleak decisions to, to get to where you want to be, to do what you really want to do. Yeah. But I think with Sublime Science, so I, 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 that's what I, like, looking back over it all, I think those are the two things that matter most. And I help some people to do, either of those things and that's where the book comes in because i i wanted to make something that was hopefully really really helpful and also just completely free so there is obviously literally like there is no barrier to anyone you can mm. you know you can't help everyone that gets in touch with you online or whatever but if you put if you put that idea into writing and just give it away then obviously you can yeah you, you can, can get help in touch as, with as many people as want to find the information and i'm sure it's as appealing to a you know, a young person starting out or a more mature person who wants to have a go at it for the first time. Um, so, no, I, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I think it's only just been released, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 So how can people get a copy of it if they want a copy? And, and what's it called, Mark? <laughs> well, the website is brilliant. Let's see if the domain actually redirects today, but you should be able to go to uh, notabusinessbook.com. Uh, if that fails for any reason, just go to my site, which is markwileman.com. But... Okay. Uh, not a uh, not a businessbook.com and i guess the reason for the i guess the reason for titling it not a business book is well i guess two things so one it's really the story of me going from my princess trust loan to dragon's den from inspiring a million kids to selling a business and i call it becoming the worst retiree of all time yes um that's an award. I'm claiming that one. Yeah, for, 15 uh, minutes is pretty yeah. poor, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what a, uh, and secondarily it's um kind of uh, i'd say it's like a hardcore science nerds analysis of what actually works mm. um and it's not so it is so it's, it's experience it's seven experiments that made the difference and how you can apply them to what you do but i think the other thing that's interesting about what i've done is it's not so the science can be quite complex but how to use it's normally pretty simple mm -hmm. so it's kind of the same way as like you know if you had to actually like build a microwave that would be very difficult to figure out the radiation all that stuff to use a microwave you just go ding yeah and your, your food gets hot and it's kind of that with science like i'm not an actual like i am a real scientist but i certainly am not newton or einstein who's really moved the needle forward for humanity with mm -hmm. a new you know incredible thing i'm just somebody that's observed what some of the greatest minds in the history of the world have put together 
and hopefully put it together in a way that's simple so yes. that then people can actually use it. Um, yes. Because the trouble with some of the smartest people in the history of the world, what seems simple to them <laughs> yeah. can still be. You know, simple to Einstein is still probably uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty complex, I would imagine. Yeah, so you've created some principles and, you know, intertwined within a story of how you yes. went from where you were to where you are with some guiding principles. That's, you know, that sounds fantastic. And I love that idea about putting it into language that people will be able to interpret regardless of where they're starting from. That's why um, I always think that's why Professor Brian Cox is so popular yeah. and uh, successful because he uses analogy and can you see him on the BBC documentaries, he's always drawing pictures in sand or using rocks to yeah, demonstrate yeah, yeah. something. And it, it ma makes a complex thing into an understandable thing by bringing it into the real world. So, okay, so not a business book. And Mark Wildman, it's Mark with a C, of course. With a C, although I do own, I do own it with a K. So if you fancy spelling my name wrong, I should. You can still be found. If the gods of the internet hold up, you'll still end up in the right place. But let's, yes. uh, yeah. let's not, not, not test that out. And I, for one, am glad you called it Not A Business Book, because we wouldn't be talking now without that, would we? Because my uh, <laughs> Facebook group, Not Another Business Group, uh, I know you spoke with Adam Carr originally. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that, that coincidence or similarity has given us the opportunity to have a chat and hopefully inspire some more people, which is all great. And I'm now getting a little bit of stick for the uh, for the Elon Musk uh, not a flamethrower reference, <laughs> which I I think subliminally probably you know like may well have been the reason. Like it's super hard to say, but like I imagine so. Like I thought the not a flamethrower, you know, fake flamethrower product yeah. launch he did on Twitter. I thought that was brilliant and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and obviously Elon's always uh, going on about like a first principles analysis. Actually, a lot of the big guys are, which is a kind of mm. a weird niche, but like. If you look at how they run Tesla, you look at how they run SpaceX or, or Facebook or Amazon, probably three of the most aggressively evidence-based iterative tech companies on earth. Wow. Also companies that are all going to be, if not already, going to be trillion dollar um, corporations, I would suggest. Obviously, certainly they've got past that hundred yes. billion level yes. many years ago. Um, yes. So certainly all multi-billion dollar companies, but in the small business land, this is what actually annoys me. So like, that's what they're using for Tesla, SpaceX, um, Amazon, Facebook. In the small business world, what you're typically left with is essentially just mysticism. Mm. So instead of using like the, the most incredible scientific reasoning of the history of the world, they go with like this guy stands in front of his Lamborghini, gets his <laughs> iPhone out, and is like, yo man, I think this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And the, I'm like, well, if that were true, like how come when you listen to Buffett or Bezos or like they're not doing that like no. and i think some of it's difficulty so maybe that's some of the my work's hopefully going to come in and bringing some of that stuff that works and has led companies to go from startup to multi-billion but trying to keep that super fast simple and easy so that it can apply you know if you've yeah. only got just yourself or you've got a team of three you know face all those companies you know they've got hardcore incredible yeah. engineering talent that yeah that yeah. can do those things but pulling that off in the small business sense you want to use the same principle, which is definitely correct, but the actual implementation is a little bit different because you've got to keep stuff simple in small business. Otherwise, you can just drown in complexity. Yes, yes, yeah. No, I, uh, uh, I get that absolutely. And I'm sure anyone that uh, is listening or reading, well, not, not everyone will get that. But if they start a business, they'll get that pretty quick. 
Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, and that's a really important message, I think. Um, so, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. I've really enjoyed the chat. I do have one, a hmm. cu- uh, couple of quick final questions for you, Mark. Boom. Um, so what advice would you have for anyone starting a business? Maybe we just covered that in the last answer. What, you know, what would be your simple advice for someone starting a business? Um, consider the, consider carefully and honestly the most the most a reasonably likely negative scenario um so when everyone said to me um you know you'll be bankrupt by christmas (laughs) trading october 1st like trading from a business from home with no overheads i'm like how am i going to get bankrupt in two months like or three months like you know whatever but anyway that i actually thought about that and those people actually did me a tremendous favor i think because i actually sat and thought about it for a while and i just came all the way around to thinking, well, okay, you know, maybe I do try this out and maybe I do go bankrupt by Christmas and maybe people say, oh, that guy's an idiot. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm fine with that. Like that's yeah. not, it's outside of my control. That's opinions of others, which is never really within your control. So I just was like, okay, then I'm just going to do it anyway. And I think if you make that honest analysis and yeah. you are fine with the reasonably likely negatives, then it really frees you up to just get stuck in and, and just make stuff happen and without being too, like I think in England we're quite bad at this, getting too worried about failure or too worried about the judgment. Because, you know, if you look at the, you know, the, the, I think the evidence is something like if you look at billionaires in the US, maybe Fortune 1000 companies, uh, CEOs of them, the number of them that have been personally bankrupt in their career is over a third. Wow. So like, like bankruptcy is actually correlated with extreme wealth <laughs> success yeah. yeah 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 so like, i'm not saying go bankrupt i'm saying yeah i'm definitely a cap the downside you know manage yeah. your risk don't don't do things silly but if you just look at the evidence and i think sometimes i'd say just analyze that risk and be okay with the negative and if you are then move forward and honestly if you're not maybe give it some thought man if you're you know like if you, you really can't face the fact that you might launch a product and someone might say it sucks on twitter <laughs> like don't do it probably probably just give up now because even if it works, you're still going to live in that mindset of stress forever. And like no amount of money is really worth that. Yeah. But if you can deal with the potential downside, crack on. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and then it's probably yeah. a good indicator that it is a good fit for you. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Uh, and my last question is, um, I always ask the time machine question, uh, Mark, which is quite neat given we've been talking about Einstein. Um, <laughs> Okay, so if you had a time machine and could go, I'm going to say, if you had a time machine and could go back in time, what age would you find yourself at and what would you tell yourself? I, maybe it's a conversation, but I would definitely go back to like, I can't remember her name, but my primary school teacher aged approximately maybe about seven, you know, a couple of years at primary. But that lady, she was really mean, telling me to stand up in front of 20 kids and like <laughs> say whatever I was supposed to say. I'd probably just like read a book or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, petrified and probably just, uh, yeah, probably just tell myself then who's too afraid to talk to like 20 kids that I already knew. Like I spoke to them every yes. day. We were in yes. class. Like we didn't, where else do you go when you're seven? You know, like, um, I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, just tell that kid that at some point, you know, tens of millions of people will have looked at stuff you've produced and created in the world. Um, and then just watch that kid be super freaked out. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, I don't know if that would be very helpful to myself or not, but I think it'd be quite amusing. So I'd probably just do that. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you'd tell your five-year-old self, seven-year-old self, 
hey, don't sweat this kid. You know all these, uh, you know these 20 people in the room and trust me, one day you're going to have 20 people looking at your mug and you're going to be more than fine with that. So yeah. crack on. Yeah, crack, yeah. yeah, crack on and yeah. It's always, um, I think you've definitely got to experience stuff for yourself in life. But I think if you can, yeah, it's the ultimate thing, I suppose. Because if you could literally learn from your future self, that would be, uh, yes. it would be kind of, I would definitely have made a lot less uh dumb errors but you know if i'd made a lot if i hadn't made all the errors you know would i maybe yeah maybe you wouldn't be where you are exactly life's a life's a beautifully complex thing isn't it and and everyone ends up at the right place where they should be uh sooner or later Um, yeah yeah. no look really cool i mean i've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you an hour it doesn't feel like an hour to me i don't know what it felt like to everyone watching and I don't know what it felt like for you, Mark, but it's been a real pleasure for me. It was an absolute pleasure. It was great to, yes. yeah, great to yeah. chat. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, any, yeah any, any closing words from you before we sign off? I was just going to say, grab yourself a copy. Uh, not, a, not a business book, not a business book.com or markwileman.com. Yeah. Um, and uh, check it out. My email and stuff is in there. So uh, obviously drop me, let me know what you think. The feedback has oddly uh, been incredibly, incredibly, Im- like amazingly good from a quite a small number of people so far, yes. uh, which is super, super cool. And, but maybe, maybe you'll hate it. So if you don't like it at all, you can <laughs> you let can, me know too. You can live with it. Even if that I'm is fine. the case. I also, maybe exactly. we can close on that. I, I think feedback, both negative and positive is, is super, super valuable. So if it's not for you and you, you hate it still genuinely, let me know. Uh, I, appreciate the input and if you like it and it's super beneficial to you then uh definitely let me know because that's, that's me. obviously literally why i wrote it yeah of course hey it's been really good fun mark i've uh, enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better and chatting with you i'm sure we'll be in touch again soon maybe we'll be on a stage together again one of these days <laughs> Who knows? sometime hopefully not too far in the future eh? no exactly oh look look take good care of yourself mate during lockdown and um i'll distribute this out via the channels probably youtube and podcast it when i got that i'll share the links with you and if i hear any feedback from anyone i'll let you have it but uh look after yourself <laughs> me and i'll uh, i'll see you again soon cheers take it easy adam yes, bye bye now okay guys so that was the first not another webinar podcast um remember if you like what you heard like and subscribe to the channel that would be a really big help to get me to push this message out to more people um, if you're not already a member of the not another business group on facebook just put that into the search bar in facebook itself not another business group you'll find us you can request membership and i'll hop on there and approve it for you no problem at all a uh, really great group growing every week Lots of business owners and senior leaders who are supporting one another in a, a community. You can ask whatever you like and you'll always get some really good replies in there. I'll be back next week uh, interviewing a really good friend of mine, Scott Weir from Homeshore Portfolio Management and more recently Pillow Partners. Um, Scott's got a hugely interesting story um, and tells us lots about his time spent over in America talking to investors meeting big companies like Facebook and many of the other tech giants out there. So come back next week. I'll upload that soon. In the meantime, stay safe, um, have fun, enjoy whatever good weather comes your way, and I'll see you again really soon.